on the last episode of The Shakes. Can I ask you one question, Pat? Yes. Whose nipple was that? What? Whose nipple was that? What do you mean? The nipple. The nipple? The, the nipple. What are you talking about? Mm, don't play coy with me. The nipple. What? I did Jeep. What? <laughs> That's like there's so many nipples. What do you mean? Need a little side table. We need a lot of things. Can we here. get an intern on that? I need an intern, hands and knees, with a good solid flat back. I have an intern. Oh yeah. Well, she's into yoga. She's very small, so she actually would that fit would as fun. a end table. I don't think she'd enjoy it very much, but um, she could do that for you. Okay, Mad Men. So Pat's back in route. Right off the gun with TV. Bam! <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, Don Draper's just such the biggest fucking ass. Yeah, but you know what? You gotta look past that. That's, like, the fucking end scene just killed me. Like, how many episodes are we gonna end with, like, Don in the fetal position? How many times do we have to, like, does it have to come back and, like, smack us in the face and remind us, like, Don Draper is a sad, lonely, tortured soul. And sometime he's overcome with inertia and has to crawl into his couch and just be still. I'm telling you, the writers wrote themselves into a horrible position. I still have yet to go back and catch up. I don't up. know what to do. But tell me about... I don't give a shit. Is the account guy Bob, that younger guy that came out of nowhere that Pete tore into... I feel like the world is overrun with a bunch of Bob Bensons right now. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like the over-eager, over-smiley account guy. It's just like way too pleased. Bob Benson, damn glad to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a lot like that. Did you finally get caught up on Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys probably are talking about Oh, we have tread that territory like a motherfucker. We didn't talk about the season finale, though, did we? No, no, because it Which hadn't happened Which was lackluster. Yet. It, it was, it was. That Although I did enjoy... Mother Teresa scene at the end, I was like, Bullshit. this is ridiculous. The whole episode felt like one of those episodes from, you know, like when a show figures out just how good it is, where it just sort of like all of a sudden the show starts feeling like it's patting itself on the back the whole time. Oh, kind of like me every day. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why I'm so good at identifying it, because mm-hmm. I do that too, but... You know, like, it's like there were so many, and because I've read the books, I know how much shit still has to happen. And it's like, there were so many throwaway dialogue scenes where it's like, you could have easily taken that chunk of dialogue out and put it into any show ever existing. And it would have worked there. You know, like, it was just like, what, what, what is this scene accomplishing? Nothing. What, what the fuck is this? You know? And then that end scene where it's like, the very special episode of Taxi. Yeah. Where Louis De Palma finally finds his heart on a very special episode of Taxi. I know that. Yes, that that last scene was was pretty saccharine. I'll, I'll give you that. I was like, that that that's it. That's the end. Yeah, the best part was I like. I wanted I wanted some bad dude to take it. I mean, I liked I, I appreciated the whole dagger scene, stabbing in the neck. I liked that. But uh, um, and I did love the scene between Joffrey and. Uh, 
Uh, mm, yeah, Tyrion. Yeah. yeah, Tyrion. That was good. Where that yeah, was good. Dad, that was dad good. Sent him. That was He's like good. anybody. And you know what? That's that a, a good that's setup. a great. The king is tired. He needs a rest. Well, and mm-hmm. that's that, that is a, a great. Setup. That's a great call out. And I'm guilty of it from time to time, where it's like anybody that says that they are the king is not the king, and. I find myself every once in a while doing this to protect my ego when I'm pissed in a situation. Damn it, I just did that this week. Holy shit, you're right. Where it's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. What the fuck do I know? You know, and it's like, anytime you do that, you're you're cashing in chips and I, I, but I did it like in the most uh, polite way possible. It's like, I hate to be a dick, but I am the design director here and I do think that blah, 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 blah. Oh, fuck. I just need to stay home tomorrow. It's what I need to do. That's what, yeah. All right. Uh, should we talk about my uh, my trip? Yeah, I guess. Well, okay. First off, since I we we are officially on the air and and Pat is back. Those of you out there listening, especially on our new iPhone app, which we'll talk about later, you can give us a call at four one five four eight four five eight three zero, and you can actually make that call on your iPhone while the app is running. It's okay. No big deal. 415-484-5830. Or send us a tweet at The Shakes with uh, thoughts, comments, questions, etc. as the show goes on. Pat was on vacation last week. I was. That's awesome. Yeah. Good, thanks. Okay, next. Um, oh, by, by the way, this right here. This uh, Terra Incognito. Does that, light you, does that uh, light no, you fire? No, no, no. It's good. It's very good. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Before we do the uh, before we do your vacation, well, let's, yeah, th- I, let's I, I thank our beer yeah. buddies. Let's thank our beer buddies. Yeah. Because we, we have gotten to where we end up thanking them at the end. And Quinn and I actually forgot to thank beer buddies last week altogether. Oh, Jesus. So, See, so Pat's not here. Pat's not here. Beer buddies get fucked. Uh, okay, yeah. to be totally clear, we were having such an engaging and thought-provoking conversation, Whatever. it just slipped our minds. It just minds. kind of, yeah. Time, just, time was like sand. I bet just that episode was like 15 minutes. Uh, so what are we talking about See, now? he didn't uh, listen to it, just well, he'll like we never, said. he'll never know, so we could tell him that it's, we did anything in it, and he would Was it good? Know. Oh, yeah, it, was it was awesome. Great. Shut up. It was no, awesome. It really was, it was fucking awesome. It was, it was very good. Fuck it was very, guys. very good. You guys were lost. It was very, very good. That's anyway, bullshit. so we Don't didn't do that. that. So let's, let's, let's talk about our beer buddies. We have two beer buddies this week, both Yard Beer. Lawrence Ewell, I hope I'm saying that right, Ewell. And of course, the indomitable Joel Gerhold, Yard Beer Buddies. And so we thank you. We have, we have well, Pat brought in our, our episode one fantastic uh, recurring beer since it's it summer. is becoming summer you gotta again. have Weech. He brought Old in Bowen. Weech. Goddamn uh, right. I picked up uh, Quinn the, can't drink it fast enough. I picked up the new uh, Boulevard Brewery Smokestack series, which is called Terra Incognito. It is an ale that has been aged in whiskey barrels, and it's really good. And it's real Spanishy summer style. Spanishy summer style, and then of course Quinn, spoiled by last episode, has now requested wine all the time. So we just got her a, a Rex Goliath cab. Watch out! One I step, talk different. One a step. Oh man, you it's it's getting it's going to get. So what did you guys talk about last episode? Well, let's 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 not worry about that. Let's hear about your uh, vacation, which well, we're because all because you know what dying to hear about. You, <laughs> last episode is only a click of a button away for you to listen to. True, especially with the app. Which yeah. you did you download? No. Yes. Oh. All right. Go ahead. Tell us about your vacation. <clears throat> what do you guys want to know? Everything. Everything about. 
Dude, yeah. First of all, did you have weird Disney sex? Disneyland. Uh, uh. <laughs> Rue, I don't want to hear anymore. No more. <laughs> now I can next think about question. it. Next like, question. Next. Uh, next topic. Pat in a Mickey Mouse hat. <laughs> oh, hey kids. What, what? What do you mean Mickey Mouse hat? Mickey Mouse head. Oh, okay. So wait, Disney World or Land? Disney World. Okay. How long were you there? Uh, six nights. Why? What? I mean, I get it that it's like for the kids, but no, kids it's not for the kids. It's that's no, that's uh, stupid. Right. That's mm-hmm. stupid. Everybody's okay. like, "Oh, you're doing it for the kids." It's like, no, the kids are optional. I mean, if oh. if the kids didn't go, we would still. I told go. you, Quinn. God, I I totally didn't believe Jeremy when he was saying. You. That this was like a thing that you do in love. And I was like, I no, that's not true. Seems kind of like an anti-Pat land. Uh-uh. No, it's 100% me. Okay, please explain that then. And so here's the, here's the reason. Because there are very few brands that I come in contact with on a regular basis that truly live their promise. And Disney is one of them. And it is, it promises a magical experience. It delivers on every goddamn level you can possibly get. Okay. Okay. It also makes it a pain in the ass because when they don't deliver, we're first in line to bitch about it. Because yes. we've gone so much. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, I'm not, it's, it's, I love the rides. I love the whole experience. Did you go to the Harry Potter one? No, that's Universal. Oh. Why don't you fucking get it straight? Dude, I don't know. That's the only reason I would go. Um, well, so. you go and do your little Harry Potter magic wand bullshit, and then you tell me about it. Dude, I bet, it, I bet it's dope. <laughs> it's not. I don't know. It probably is. I don't dare. I don't dare. So, um, like, what kind of... Do you do rides? Like, teacups? No, no. We just we just walk around a lot. Yeah, we do rides. Teacups. Peter Pan, first thing, walk in, walk down Main Street, USA, modeled after Marceline, US, Marceline, Marceline. yeah, where uh, Walt Disney grew up. Sounds terrible. Make a beeline to Peter Pan, the first ride we do. Thursday was great. We got there on Wednesday. Thursday, we went to Magic Kingdom. It was rainy all day. Nobody was there. Got on a shit ton of rides. It was fantastic. Like what kind of, like, do you go on like the scary roller coaster rides? Yeah. Yeah. Go on Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios. It's a drop thing. And Big Splash I, Mountain has got a big... Mm-mm. No, see, no, it's not for you. It's all right. No, I just... I, it Like, roller coasters are never going to be something I'm into. Like, I don't, I don't understand the concept of, like, getting into a contraption that only seems sort of safe. And then, like, having these sheer moments of terror that you, like, willingly sign up to have. And then you walk off and you're like, well, my neck hurts and I think I pooped my pants. That I feel alive when I do that. Wow! Like like uh, Gabe and I went on uh, the Mamba at Worlds of Fun, and we rode in the first car, and we're going up the hill, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing? I've never done this roller coaster before. I'm scared shitless, and and we're in the first car, so we're gonna see everything. And the whole thing is about up and down a hill, up and down a hill." And I mean, it's nonstop. You're constantly doing that, and I loved it. I was laughing and screaming, and it's, it's like um, everything on the surface. But Disney, uh, Disney doesn't have a lot of hardcore stuff. I mean, you know, it's like it's got the rock and roll roller coaster. Um, 
which is kind of space the rock Mountain. and roll roller coaster aerosmith baby uh, and uh, Tower okay. of Terror, which okay. is Twilight Zone, but it's like a whole drop thing, up and down. Um, Space Mountain is all is a roller coaster. I'm having a hard darkness. time imagining an Aerosmith roller coaster. Is it like you really? Like, no, it's like are you are going? You really are you going? Are you going up and down Steven Tyler's lips? I mean, you are. What, yeah, it's yeah. lips. No, and, the whole thing is baby. the whole thing is, is Aerosmith is late. Some, something about somewhere. loving an elevators in there, isn't it? The whole thing is Aero, Aerosmith is late getting somewhere, and you get in this roller coaster that looks like a limo, and you're going on this like interstate, and it's all in darkness and like signs shine up, and you're going. Well, what I love is like you're you're in, yeah, you're in you're in you're in line, and they're they're singing pink is my favorite color. I'm like, wow, of all the people you could partner with on this, Aerosmith, really? You okay. know what he means when he says pink is his yes. favorite color, right? Yes. Vaginas. But anyway, no, it's... it's Disney's uh, talking about vaginas. Talking about a brand letting you down, Pat. Dude, Disney is like the most perverted brand in the entire world. Little Mermaid I think, and I the think cock. the entire reason I'm so fucked up is because all we did was watch Disney movies as kids. Like, Disney movies are why I grew up with, like, role models who, you know, wore bras as tops and could sing to woodland creatures. So, have you attempted to do that? Sing well, to sing to woodland creatures, creatures saying, in a bra? it took a long time before I realized, like, that's not the end goal. <laughs> no, actually, okay, but you the- didn't answer the question. Have you tried to sing to woodland creatures in a bra? Have you gone into your backyard not, not in a bra no. and it's like, come to me, my and children. And it's not just a bra. It's a bra top, all right? And all it's right. got little frills on it and stuff. Oh. It's Pocahontas. Well, and it's also ruined for me because I recently went to my niece's dance recital, the theme of which was all, like, Disney magicalness, and mm-hmm. so, it, but it was like a big dance. That like she's six, but like, it <laughs> and was it like, was neither. Like the opening number was all the older girls, like the thirteen to fifteen year olds, coming out in these Disney, Disney Training princess slots. outfits. That I like, I was like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they were like the hoary Halloween yeah. costumes. Training sluts. It's yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, and and it's just like I was just like. No, Oh, God. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, this is what Disney's doing. This Disney is basically perpetuating this entire idea for young women to grow up and be Gross. Slutty. Are you going to, really, you're going to ride that train? If the question was, what's your favorite movie, Miss Utah probably would have given a Disney answer. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. But like, so here, here's an example of why I love Disney. So we are, last year we're standing, we're standing, we're waiting for the electric parade that happens like at nine o'clock at night. It's hot as shit. That feels like a Prince thing. You're standing there, you know, and you're, 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 you know, trying to get a good place and, and stand there and wait for the electric parade. All of a sudden two guys, you know, and so they've roped off the main walkway and stuff. Two guys show up. They've got buckets and brooms, and they get out and they start to it with water, brooms as their brushes and water as their paint. They start creating a Mickey Mouse portrait and a Donald Duck portrait, and it's perfect. And I'm like, somebody thought, okay, you know what? These people are going to be tired. They're going to be hot. They're standing around for a long time. We have to entertain them. How are we going to entertain them? And how are we going to reinforce the brand? And that's what they do. 
you know, one year we went down Main Street. Laura wears, you know, we go every year for Laura's birthday. She's wearing a It's My Birthday button. And we get serenaded by the barbershop quartet on the back of a trolley. One year, Gabe gets made junior mayor of Main Street. And we're in having lunch, totally random. And the mayor of Main Street walks in, makes a formal announcement. Is Gabe Piper in the room? And he makes a formal declaration, and he says, you are junior mayor of Main Street for the day, and here's some passes, get a photo and a full certificate and stuff. I mean, it's shit like that. It's like, that's awesome. You know, and Gabe, and I've said to Gabe, I'm like, look, dude, you're going to get to an age where this ain't cool for you anymore, and it's awkward and stuff, and I get that, and that's fine. You just let me know when. And every time, I mean, unprompted, he'll say, Dad, I'll never get tired of this. I'm like, that's my boy. What kind of that's bank have you spent boy. at Disney to make Gabe college education today? No, we didn't spend any money on that. <laughs> yeah, his his college is gone, but yeah. he was junior mayor for the day. That's for right. I, that's right. Sorry, Gabe. No college Sorry. for you, but hey. I, 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 wrote, dumb. I wrote a blog post for Hallmark, and, and uh, I said, I asked my wife, how, about how much money do you think we've spent at uh, Disney? And her response was, about a college education's worth, and... My response was, I hope Ben, I hope that uh, Ben too many times to Disney to count looks good on a resume. What a really good shitty father you are. (laughs) So we have a shirt because we talked, what, two, three, two episodes ago, episode 17, love you in your face. Became Which you guys hated thing. when I said it. We did. I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh I my god! It. I tweeted it, and you were like, "What does that mean? That's terrible." What does Shut that even up! Mean? We did not say that, Pat. I did not <laughs> say Pat. that. Well, you said it, but then you also said that you wanted it on a shirt, and yeah. so you said it, and I made it happen. I put it on a fucking shirt, and it is available there. There, uh, you know, my my pals at United Pixel Workers which, as I've said many times before on the show, seems to comprise like at least 60% of my wardrobe or T-shirts from United Pixel Workers because I am a hobo. You, you kind of are. Yeah. God, look at these shorts. There's like all sorts of holes and Jesus. shit. In them. I know. I'm telling you. Are so, those your so, hanging around the house shorts or did you go to no, work? No, these, the these are my I'm coming to work shorts because here I am in your mom's basement. Right off, right off work. Anyway, so the guys at United Pixel Workers started a new website that launched last week called Cotton Bureau, and it is cottonbureau.com. And there is a Love You in Your Face t shirt that is available for purchase on that website. And if I do say so myself, it's a pretty attractive shirt. But now here's the thing so in order for them to put the shirt to press and, and we're not talking about like some, you know, crappy, like iron on t-shirt or something like that. This is like full on silk screened, real nice shirt, American apparel shirts. I took a long time choosing the color for the shirt. A really long time. Got to have 25 pre-orders right now with, with eight days left, we're sitting at five orders. So by the time this goes to, by the time this episode goes online, we'll have like five days. So we'll have five days to make up at least 20 orders. But so, so here's the thing. So if it, if it doesn't make 25 orders, nobody gets a shirt. 
fuck you all. Fuck me. Fuck you. Fuck everybody. Nobody gets a shirt. Go home and cry to your mom. So, but if it makes 25 orders, they will print the shirt. But however many get ordered, like if 26 get ordered, 26 shirts get made. That's it. So it's not like you can go, you know, on to cottonbureau.com later on. It's like, oh, yeah. So I think the people already paid the money, who, the five the, the, the five that have ordered have already paid their money. So they'll get their money back. They'll get their money back if, if it doesn't make 25 shirts. So, but, you know, but that's the thing. So, like, if 26 shirts get ordered, 26 shirts get made. So the Love You In Your Face shirt is a very limited edition of 26 shirts. Which is kind of fucking cool. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, so it, so I would say go to cottonbureau.com again. The link will be in the show notes. Go out there, check that out. And, uh, yeah, be part of something that is really, really super, super, very super limited edition. So have you guys ever, uh, have you guys ever had this problem? So, you know, all of us, we're, we're, we're all pretty good at what we do. We're all very good at what we do, but there, there comes a point where every single one of us and even the people out there listening where no matter how good you are, no matter how good people tell you, you might be, you're just kind of like, mm, no, no, oh, no, I have no. this. I have, you have this. I have every this. creative this, person has this, this completely. Every creative me. person has this. And I'm talking, talking about, about Im- I'm talking about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is something that, and, and, you know, because We've talked, you know, this is episode 19. We've talked all around this actual subject, but we've never actually given it a name. There is a scientific psychological name for this, and it is imposter syndrome. And according to Wikipedia, which, of course, is the, you know, the resource for all things real and good. Imposter syndrome is a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their accomplishments despite external evidence of their competence Quinn is shifting in her seat uncomfortably. Those with the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success that they have achieved. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, and like what this fails to mention though, is like the fact that I, so much of what I feel like I internalize as negativity or not the truth, not you know, that's not necessarily the reality, is based around, like, being surrounded by little shitheads all day that don't get it, you know, or that think that they're amazing, you know? And so it's like when you see enough of those people, you're like, well, I suck. So it's like the reverse of um, imposter syndrome. It's like my shit don't stink syndrome. Yeah, so like the people that have that exacerbate imposter syndrome. But those are they're the ones that suck. Those are the biggest imposters. Yeah, because I think they protect themselves. That's how they protect. They 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 protect themselves through a through a thick veil of braggadocio. Yeah, (gasps) I mean, honestly, in 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 my in my in my career, the truly great ones. The very talented ones, and and I speak mostly from, uh, you know, from the, and I use this when when with the directors we use, the great great directors are the ones that are not assholes. They're good good people, and it's the ones that are, you know, hacks that are assholes. 
and they're they're egotistical and they're name droppers and stuff and and even editors name name, name uh, droppers you say Pat shut up <laughs> <laughs> you notice I didn't use any specific director names when I said them. Or, 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 or mention the name Jim Gaffigan. Or, I don't. I don't name drop all the time. Um, no, you got really good at it after the first twelve episodes. Fuck off. <laughs> no, but I mean, what I think is interesting about it is that you know, being creative and being paid to be creative—if you're that lucky—it's a—it's a miserable fucking existence. Like at the end of the day, you're you're not totally the happiest person alive if you were what would be your purpose in needing having that you wouldn't have that urge to go out there and create you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it's like whenever i do stand up sometimes it's like you know i always throw in something around the lines if people aren't laughing about how you know like i'm not standing up here because i had a great childhood guys <laughs> you know like it, this isn't <laughs> i need what, a little bit of validation that's not what this please. is about all right right there's this expectation that somehow we should be happier or that life should be better. And it's not that life is horrible or tragic, but I mean, like, look at the great creative minds of our times. Like, they were all tortured souls who, you know, half of them, their work never achieved greatness until well after their their right. death. And, you know, it's... it's. Do you think that... Um, do you think they knew that? Do, do do they do you think they knew they were destined for greatness? No. Do you think that they were tortured? I mean, these, these oh, people who oh, didn't oh, realize oh, oh. success until after they were dead. Do you think that they knew that at the time, or did they create because that was their mission because in life, they, they and were they were tortured. very they were very yeah. happy doing that? Well, I well, think they might have been happy doing that, but the, I mean, the whole the whole point behind imposter syndrome is you. No matter how happy you are creating, you look at the guy to your left and the guy to your right, and you're like, oh, shit. There is no way that what I am doing, no matter how much I enjoy it, there's no way that what I'm doing is half as good as either one of these guys. But that's what drives you. That is what drives you, but, it, drives no, but, you. See, but it's but also see, but it's also what really, sends you into like the you know the Don Draper fetal position. Right, because this is this is where things get really muddy right it's because it's like on one hand the one thing that makes you happy is creating right that is what you have realized makes you happy but at the same time it makes you fucking miserable because whether you're comparing yourself whether you're setting impossible standards whether you know whatever it is something's not working you know when there are times where your creativity just fails you you know and and you hate yourself for it you know so I wouldn't, I, you know, and I wouldn't say <clears throat> creativity doesn't make me miserable. I feel all those things. I feel like I didn't do a good enough job. There's an opportunity here. I don't, I don't look at it and go, this is miserable. I look at it as it drives me. Now, the thing, the thing. Well, you are lucky. Well, I mean, the thing with creativity that sucks is that. There are way more misses than there are hits, and the hits are very seldomly um, celebrated, even by that person. Because the problem is, is you know, it's like you go to the great award shows, 
And the next day, you got to fucking create again. I mean, that's it. You go out and you have some drinks and you're like, hey, we're great. But then the next day, you got to go be great again. And you're craving that I want to be great. And I want to be greater than I was. And see, I think that, Pat, like you're bringing up good points, but it's from your perspective, no it's more in the realm of advertising, specific to the world of being creative and advertising. Not necessarily. And for me, I feel more... Yeah, let's talk the, about it in the grander sense. In the bigger picture, like when I feel the most tortured, when I, feel, when I know that my imposter syndrome is coming out the most is when it's outside of advertising, right? When it's mm-hmm. me writing something for myself, when it's me creating something and I'm putting it out into the world, that's when I'm like, well, shit. I mean, this could win ever. This could be the best thing that I do in my whole life. And I would never know it because I would be blind to every compliment it receives, but then zeroing in and remembering every word of one negative comment that it got, you know? Right. So no, I totally well that and that and yeah, I totally get that, and I'm exactly like that. I mean, you can shower me with a hundred compliments, and one person has one thing to say, and that's what I will hone in on, and that will haunt me. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and that's that's not that's not advertising specific. That's creative. No, that's in creativity. General. Yeah, it's yeah. creativity yeah. in general. But I I don't know. I I you know I feel all of those things, but I don't. I mean, I couldn't be happier that I'm creative, that I create, Mm -hmm. that I put something out for the world, whether it's good or bad, but I create something from nothing. To me, that's a gift. And it's the torture that drives you, but it doesn't weigh me down. I have ups and I have downs, but the downs drive me and the ups are short-lived and I crave the ups all the time and that's what drives me. Pat is the most well-adjusted creative. I know. Look at that face. Look at Quinn's face. <laughs> fuck you, Pat. Take a fucking. Page. Okay, okay, you know, but but I'm I'm with Quinn. Like like the things that bother me the most, as far as like having an imposter syndrome, are the thing. Well, mostly things surrounding this show, like our website, our iPhone app, our things. Those are the things that I'm like, okay, that is. These are the things that the larger audience at hand is going to see like I can do things for work day in day out and they don't bother me as much because they're kind of anonymous. You know, it's like, okay, I can make some good things and I'll, I'll make some good things. I'll make some not so good things, but nobody knows that I personally made them when it comes to our website, our iPhone app, anything associated with this show, anything that I talk about on this show that I've made, you know, my name is on it, basically. That that is when it becomes a problem for me. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I know that whenever I do stand up, it's sheer. It's nothing but torture and pain and angst, and it's literally the most. Well, yeah, miserable. that's like that's the ultimate version of it because not only are everything is, leading your up faces there, putting to making the, time the words coming out. They call my name to go up on yeah. stage. Everything up until the moment that I get in front of the mic and the first thing comes out of my mouth, I'm literally I am in pain. And then it's three min, three to eight minutes of I don't even know what happens. It happens. People clap. People laugh. And then I get off stage, and it's torture. It's like everyone's wedding all over again. Nobody knows anything after that. You know? Yeah. It's a blur. It's a blur. I mean, 
and I feel the same, but you know, on one hand, it's like, I, unless I feel that tortured feeling, I, that's my, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like, it's your edge. If I don't feel like I'm going to shit my pants. Yeah. I know I'm not doing anything that's worthwhile. Right. I will give you one example of my imposter syndrome at work. And I, and, and, uh, when, when I was at Barclay and, uh, doing, doing my work, I would always come home and I would tell my wife, I'm like, fuck that Ryan Glendinning for God's sake, that dude, I don't even know why the fuck I work there. I don't know how I have a job because pretty much anything that I do is bullshit compared to this guy. And, you know, and, and I mean, Quinn's like no frame of, you know, well, Pat and I know who Ryan Glendinning. He's a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Yeah. But you know, but I mean, I consider him like in 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 this town, he's like one of the people that no matter what I do, he's better than me. Even even if he's not better than me, you can never convince me otherwise. You know, and so I but it it happens. It happens to everybody. And I, and I think I think it's a normal thing. I think it's a healthy thing as fucked up as it is. You know, and just know that it happens to all of us. Look around at the various creative departments that you've experienced and look at the people who are just with their appearance trying so hard to be different from everybody else. You know, it's like, okay, I am definitely not doing that. Maybe you are, though. (laughs) Am I? By looking like a hobo? Mm -hmm. Really? You think so? Yeah. I mean, think about, you know, the creatives that you've worked with that have pink hair. Or the ones with a tattoo on their face. Not because they were in prison, but because they went to art school. What about the eye patch that I'm wearing right now? That's a totally hot eye patch. Now, I would get rid of half the bling that you have. Like, not all the bling, but like half. Like half. That, no, the, I'm talking about like the subtle I have shit. another eye, but it's no, on no, no, diamonds. No, no, no. Well, I, I, would, I would get rid of the bling around the band. I would keep it on the patch. But like, yeah, no. Well, we're subtle. Just, we're just, just all so back. desperate to be different on some level that even the people trying to be normal are trying to be different by being normal. Oh my God. You know what? I just realized what I am. I'm Judah Freelander on 30 rock. I'm the guy with the fucking trucker hat. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Excuse me while I open a vein. I, (laughs) there could be worse things, man. Mm, I don't know. Then Judah Freelander on 30 rock. Come on. That's, that well, I awesome. get treated like I'm Tina Fey. Like every, every every day, one of my superiors is like, "What the fuck are you wearing? What the hell is lemon?" But it's always somebody that's like, "Why do you wear so many unicorn shirts?" And I'm like, "Why don't you wear any unicorn shirts?" Why have I never seen you wear a unicorn shirt? That uh, could be cl- interesting. Clearly, you've never paid attention because I wear at least two unicorn t-shirts every week. I have like well, 17. what what I what I think is funny about the advertising world is that. And and I it's specifically the advertising world is that the advertising world is trying to all the creatives in that are trying to truly be unique and then when somebody tries to be unique they jump their shit all over the place. Well, yeah, because it's like trying so hard to be unique and then that one person comes in who's you know it's like there's such a fine line between being a weirdo and trying to be unique trying to stand out for the sake of standing out you hand me that whiskey and i think yes, that yes, we are all amadeus the movie amadeus haunts me never saw it what okay okay Why? because what? you have you have amadeus mm-hmm. who is this genius who does it effortlessly 
And then you have Sadieri, who. <laughs> Do you like that? I'm sorry. That's not even a word. Sarieri. What, am I going to pronounce it that way? Jesus no, Christ. Please. No, it's just you so rarely do that. Yeah. Are you going to roll Who your R's on everything? admires him so much, knows what kind of talent he has, but hates him so much because he busts his ass to do one-tenth what Amadeus can do, and that that haunts me because well, I feel a- like I feel like that's me. Well, that's definitely everybody is is that at some point in their career, right? Everybody is the person that is looking, you know, ha- has a what is that bad? I feel like I just drank part of my sweatshirt or something. No, that's good. We're that's never going to get beer. them to be a sponsor. With I know, and I'm really and, working on. No, that. I love Boulevard. That'd be so dope. I love Boulevard. I love. Although Quinn doing. will continue to drink wine. No, no, I won't. Not if Boulevard is uh, our sponsor. But we could try for a wine label. I mean, I wouldn't, you know. So back to an imposter syndrome. Yeah, I mean, it's the the thing that haunts me create, creatively outside of the advertising marketing world is that when I was a kid, I had to always create something. I was always creating something. I mean, whether it was I was taking boards and I was building some kind of roller coaster for me to ride my skateboard on, or I was taking an old egg carton and I was creating some kind of thing where a ball would roll through it and down this and through that and everything. And, you know, what haunts me now is am am I – allowing my work creativity to be my creativity and is there something else I should be doing do you need with a creative cre- mistress I need a creative mistress and I think it's writing I mean I think it's just writing and the thing is is that um, right now I'm just a freaking lazy ass yeah but- well and the thing is I would imagine given who your who your dad is that you probably grew up in a house that was pretty supportive of weird creativity in whatever form it came out in No, no. I mean, what I would say is my parents didn't bother with it. I don't know that they promoted it like, hey, yeah, you know, go and do that. I mean, it was not outward. It was just like, do your thing. I mean, I had a Hello Kitty phase and my parents supported that for, you know, the three or four months that I went through that. That was very strange, strange phase. But I love the design. I love the Japanese design of Hello Kitty and I would imagine that it's probably I would imagine that it's probably a lot like God, how long has Hello Kitty been around? Oh, it's been around for a long ass time. Forever. Yeah, forever. I have this horrible problem where I think that things like Hello Kitty were just born when I was born. Nope. And never existed before that. No, they were at least around since the late seventies. But you know, it's like my my dad every Saturday. I mean, my dad worked like a son of a bitch, was gone a lot of a lot of the times. But what I remember and what he did that was awesome was every Saturday for lunch, he would take my brother and I to, it was called Hobby Town. We would go and we would buy a dinky toy, you know, metal sweet ass toy. And then we'd go up to the top of the university club, the Sky Lounge, and where you could look over the whole downtown and we would have lunch and dad would. I thought you were going to say, and then you throw it over the edge. No, no. Dad would get about three or four martinis in during the lunch, but I always remember that. And and that's where I was exposed to, like, Japanese design Mm -hmm, because I would mm -hmm. get the most kick-ass 
dinky toy that I could, and God damn it, why I didn't hang on to that shit. It was shit. made by Sanrio because, or Tomy. Or, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's all worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars now, and I've since gone back and bought the Thunderbirds uh, dinky toy that I used to have as a kid and broke into about a thousand pieces. But Well, I just, I remember my parents, it was always like, my childhood is devi- defined by like, one moment after another of me being really weird and creative and then being like, shh, put a bow in your hair. Just shut your mouth and put a bow in your hair. Just shut up and put a fucking bow in your hair. And, you know, like, here I am. I'm, like, wearing something weird. I've created this entire world of Barbies out of leg for Barbies out of Legos where one Barbie is, like, a down-and-out waitress Slept with all the G.I. Joes and now had a patrol boyfriend. Like, I had all these entire worlds. Did you ever, uh, did you ever shave any Barbie's heads? Well, my, when my parents would... Oh, constantly. When my parents would go out to dinner or, like, leave us with a babysitter, we had to have a certain type of babysitter because I went through this phase for, like, four years of my life where I insisted that the babysitters help us put on a play for my parents when they got home. So I would go and we would have these elaborate plays that we would show my parents who would be like wasted and like watching us perform this play at like midnight. I just want to go to bed. And they're like, why aren't you asleep? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, but we worked really hard in the play, dad. (laughs) We have props. (laughs) You know, like, and the babysitters are like, I don't know. She's psychotic. I I couldn't. scares me. (laughs) Let us sum up. A... We're all fucking creative. Well, ninety-nine percent of this show, up from the last nineteen episodes up to the next million and two, all has to do with imposter syndrome. That is just a given. We just formalized it today in this show. And a touch of narcissism. Yeah, and and, and all that stuff. I mean, because because really, really, (laughs) as you've noticed, we talk in circles, and that's fine because it's like a it's like a you know an ongoing group therapy session, not only between the three of us, but the, you know, other 500 to a thousand of you that listen every week. We got those numbers. Something we can't like say that. like three anymore. No, we're I'm trying a really, different tactic now. Really we're, we're trying we're, 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 the this millions is, this that are called, listening to us now. This, this is called, God, I can't hum- take that kind of pressure. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's that, um, another thing, that was really, really good and salient when I was thinking about it, but is totally gone. And so talking about creating things that you think are going to be absolutely no good when people actually get a hold of them and look at them, peruse them, and use them, I made one of those things, and it's available now. And some of you may be listening to this broadcast right now on that thing that I made. And that thing would be the Cocktail Napkin Studios Live iPhone app. And it's available on the iTunes App Store. Jeremy wow, did a really you good this job. To just you. Oh, don't be a dick. Look, you do you not do you app. want do you not want people to listen to our shit? Pat? <laughs> I want people to listen. I'm the Jack Black of high fidelity. It's like I don't want people See, to See, she's she's Pat she she's tuning into it right now. I heard yes, it. I want people to listen. To I heard you. So, so here's the thing: the, the we have the Cocktail Napkin Studios Live app, and it is available on iTunes on the App Store. It is the best and freest way, and also the most exciting way to hear me say all the things that Jeremy has to cut out 
afterwards. That is true. That is true. There are a lot of things that that, that you can listen show, to on I, the app that do not make the show. Yeah, that I I send Jeremy text messages afterwards, and I'm like, please like, make sure that gets. Yeah, cut maybe out. I shouldn't have said that. Yep, absolutely. So that is this is the best way it's to juicy. keep up to keep up with live broadcasts of the shakes as they happen. So you can go, and so basically, what this app does is you you download it. There it is. Whenever we're not recording like we are right now, it plays archived episodes of The Shakes, so you can tune in at any time and find one of your old favorites just spinning away like a 45 record on, you know, at a dance party. Spinning away. (laughs) But... When we are recording, you will get a push notification that pops up on your little notification center that says, hey, you will get, you will get notifications. It says, hey, we're live. You can go to your app. You can listen. You can listen to us live. Uh, you can check it out, become a beer buddy. You can do all those things through the app, and it's free, and it's good. And Jeremy and it's made awesome. it, and it's And I made it, dope. and I made it, and it doesn't crash. It's dope. It's like the only thing that works on my phone. There you go. Bam. So go uh, again with everything else. The uh, link to it will be in the show notes on the uh, episode page. Go, uh, go, go download it. Did you go home and feed your baby and then come back? No. Oh. That was like two days ago. Oh, it's really cute. I, I, got, re- I got really lazy. What then... happened in the last episode? Why am I not supposed to listen to that? Oh. Dude, no, last no, episode don't, was Don't worry about it. Don't worry great. about it. It was great. Don't worry about it. It was really good. We just know you won't listen to it. So it we're was like, really hey. good. You're daring me to listen to it. Nope. Nope. Not daring you at all. We just know that you wouldn't listen to it. And so we said some things. We Things were said. Things were said. Oh, oh, I'm fucking listening to it. I'm leaving the episode so I can go listen to it right now. Oh my god! Look at Jeremy and his dad. Is that not sweet? Check out those. Check out those airplane collars, man. You guys should follow us all on Instagram except Pat. 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 Well, is except okay. for when he goes on his Disney vacations, yeah, he d- posted his, a lot of pictures. He did. On that. He did. But and, 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 and when he went to Chinatown, Wait, he did a I'm lot of sorry. stuff too. Can it's we take like, a pause? Is this beat the fuck out of Pat? Yeah, it is for a minute. Wait, I just want to take a break and well, talk about this is about what how... we talked about last episode. That we were going to beat the shit out of you when you came back. Here I am trying to be a writer. I put so much thought into everything that I send Pat, and when he sends me an email, he doesn't even put anything in the subject line. And like, I never do. Which is insane. It freaked everybody out when they'd get emails from me with no subject. Pat, that's just not right. No, but it's just, one, lazy. No, Two, that is your moment. You're a writer. You should be able to come up with something on the spot that's clever and amazing That is your CTA, my friend. Whatever. But you also don't caption your Instagram photos. Sometimes I do. Yeah, but what's fucked up about it is that then somebody comments on it and it looks like that's your comment and it's like, oh. <laughs> like Susie from Missouri wrote, neat. Disneyland is my favorite. What am I supposed to write? I love, I have the time of my life. No, you write something guys. like, I think Mickey Mouse farted. Let's work on it. I feel like you got better ones in you. Let's work <laughs> you got on better it. Ones in. Yeah. Come on, Pat. I just want to see some captions on Instagram. It's all I'm asking I mean, even, for. Even, even for my goofy ass, you know, baby pictures that nobody gives a shit about, you know, and like Quinn, like pity likes. What? It's like, I'm just, oh, come on. 
It's, it's baby pictures, Quinn. It's, a, Quinn. it's babies not a pity are not like. Your things. Babies aren't your thing. Uh, God damn it! You're right. Okay, <laughs> right. It's a pity like. It's a pity like. I know. I know. When I know when I see a Quinn K like, I know when. No, it's a not pity-like. always. Because sometimes no, 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 you no. write I, really like funny what I'm saying. Captions. I know when it is and when it isn't. That's what I'm saying. I know when it is and when it isn't. I used to think you were pity liking all my tweets, and then I realized, oh, I just did like five tweets, and he didn't like any of them. That's kind of pathetic. Mm-hmm. I like what I like. That. I like what I like. All right, yeah. So you have a thing that you want to talk about. This topic is brought to us courtesy of Paul Corrigan. Can, can I just say before you start, Paul Corrigan is America. Mm-hmm. You cut that son of a bitch open and apple pie and hot dogs and steak and shit pours out. But confusing depthness as well. So much depth there. So much more depth than actual America. <laughs> Paul Corgan, an enigma shrouded in a mystery. Corgan does this thing where he like walks and I'm like, fuck that shit. I take the elevator everywhere. Right. (laughs) You know, Uh, even if it's like up one floor down. Well, he's fit. He didn't used to be fit. I bet he has a Fitbit. I bet he has a Fitbit. Oh, well, I mean, he, you know, I mean, like three or four years ago, there was, there was, you know, Paul was a schlub just like the rest of us. But now Paul, Paul worked out. So. Do you realize what we're doing? We're turning we're turning PCOR into um, what was the Saturday Night Live skit with Will Ferrell? Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. Yeah, PCOR is now P-Core, Bill Brasky. PCOR worked out so hard he had a personal trainer. He lost his hearing for like a minute. That's how fucking hard he worked out. <laughs> That's an awesome story. So Corgan so came up to point. me today and goes, "So I'm listening." to a certain podcast and all of a sudden I heard my name and I'm like (gasps) literally like all the air gets caught in my throat and I'm like oh shit oh shit not that I would talk shit on Paul Corrigan it's just like shit what I couldn't remember what it was that I was talking about that he would have heard his name and it was the episode where Heather called in and she was talking about yeah 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 Last episode, I didn't say anything. No, no, you didn't. No, because because she she met well, whatever with Paul. you did. You're you left in the well, middle. Making up for it, like Paul Corrigan is the shit. Nobody is the shit. He is the shit. He's a confusing shit. Yes, we can cut yes, that he out. is. No, 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 no. We will not cut that out because yes, Paul, Paul. Well, that's part depth. of that's part of being an enigma shrouded yeah, in a mystery. He is. He he's is, confusing he is. as hell. So he comes up to me and he's like, and I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah, we talk about you. We talked about how, you know, because you were the only creative director that she could remember the name of. And and then he talked to me about Heather and he was like, you know, I thought that her work was good. All I told her was like, you know, maybe figure out how this appears in social space. And then I told him about how, you know, our whole point was stop wasting your time making fake shit. Go out and make something that's real. Mm-hmm. Whatever right, that right, means. Right, yeah. And... um. Yeah, he was like totally. He was talking about how like it's just really hard to do stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, I fucking hate looking at portfolios. It, literally, there's nothing more boring than a portfolio to me. But then he was like, you know, I think that there's a really good topic you guys could talk about that is sort of about you know how the higher up you get in advertising, the further away you get from doing the things that you love. Called and, the Peter Prince. Yeah, you know what? Now that now that, ooh. you know, like, and Paul is such a great example of this because Paul 
is a true maker. You know, Paul has had many, many creative mistresses. You know, he yes. is obsessed with having more and more of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And he he's not just like a... He's a maker in the most... I mean, he, he fucking works with his hands, you know? Like, yeah. he's... He makes he does banjos. Things with his hands, and he's like he's magic with his hands. But you can, I can sense how frustrated he gets at work because it's like you know, here he is, an executive creative director. Where technically, like, he shouldn't be doing any of the work, but all he wants to do is some of the work. He he yeah. he wants to help. He wants to, and he's a fantastic illustrator. You know. And he is. His whole is. past was design and illustration, and it's it's almost like a shame the way that advertising is set up that somebody like Paul Corgan is trying to lead younger create younger less talented creatives down a path to create the kind of work that he himself would want to create, but is in a position where he can't create it himself. No, that makes that makes perfect sense, actually. You know, yes. like that's yeah. gotta be really frustrating. This is kind of why I've always said I don't ever really wanna be a creative director because I, I wanna keep making stuff, but I know that ninety percent of my coworkers who are in who are creatives got into advertising with the one goal being that they wanna be a creative director. And yeah. I just well, okay, here, here's the thing, though. Uh, you need to... And, Pat, to, I'm really actually interested in your opinion on this, because I think that you are one of those people. Let, let me say this before Pat what? puts his... Yes, one, one of those people Go who ahead, does not get to make the things that they make, but, because you're busy delegating and no, doing the No, but I think Pat's one of those people that was... He, Pat is one of those creatives that was meant to be a creative director. Yes, because He's yes, good but, it, but at a creative work but a creative director that makes things at the same time. That's what you're saying, right? I don't know. Okay. I, well, I'm, here, I'm thinking okay. creative. Be- before, before, before Pat chimes in. I'm not in, saying you don't. I'm before saying, no, Pat no. chimes in, let me let me put my take on that. So okay, so so yes, you're giving the the example of Paul who is an ECD at a place of, you know, I don't know what you are now, 250, 300 people, whatever. There's there's no time to make the things because you're too busy putting your stamp of approval on things, doing the day-to-day business of... Managing uh, the client. Know, managing yeah, managing the client. Uh, making managing sure the creative briefs the are okay, people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Managing strategy, right, right. yeah. So, so there's that, but then there, there is also the person at the same position at a smaller place that by just by sheer size of the organization has no choice but to continue to make those things. So who is the happier person is I think kind of what you're driving at. Maybe? No, Maybe? no. I think that what I'm saying is that it, okay, it feels like a shame that the most talented and the most creative in our industry make it to a point where they're no longer making Where they're no longer the, making the, Well, the Peter I guess, principle okay. is you get promoted to your ultimate incompetence. That's the oh, Peter Principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get promoted you you get promoted because you do something really well and you get promoted to a point to where you don't get to do that anymore and you have to do something else that you're not very good at. Right, but this no, is, I get that. I yeah. think that 
And it's the sole reason why my dad got out of the business. But it, it, yeah, okay. Yes, but I also think that as a creative director, part of your job is to pass that ability on to others where it's possible. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like you're put in that position so that you can lead and so that you can teach other creatives to do what you did to get there. But I also feel like, like I look at Paul and I'm like, you know, there's so many times where he'll like sort of quietly go off and like draw or design something and you're just like, oh my God, what the fuck, dude? Because it's it's so awesome and it's so good, but it's like... Well, he's got the puppets that I'm trying to Google and I cannot fucking remember the name of those puppets? things. Yeah, I remember he did like all those shorts. They were like... Oh, yeah. What was it? It was like Stinky and Beans or yeah, like yeah, some... Yeah. He does. God Jesus. He had the bottle caps. He had the banjos. He had the fucking... Yeah. He did... Uh, it was stop motion stuff. Yeah. I know. And, I, and I'm trying to and Google it, it right dark. now. Yes. It was very dark. And it was all black and white. Yeah. And I'm trying... Oh, my try- God. I really want to see it. Oh, you don't know about these? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm Googling them right now. And I cannot, for the life of me, bring them up. But yeah, I'm. Tr- it was patches and... You know, it was like stinky and patches or something. Right. And and they came up and he did one every Christmas. But they were always like this, oh, we're starving and we can only eat dryer lint. Yeah. It was it was So it was like Marcel the Shell before Marcel the Shell existed. Yes. Yeah. It was it was kinda like Marcel the Shell. Yeah. I mean it was like, you know, oh, we're 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 this we're this sock puppet bunny and a like indescript fart puppet yeah it was, and, yeah yeah and and you know and and it seems lowbrow for him you know no, what well no, it i, was, I no, say it was that good. but no 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 and you know what and, i had successfully but it, was, it was very old timey i had successfully eliminated that from my subconscious because i think it haunted me and now it's coming imposter syndrome back. it's imposter syndrome yeah. because you look Hold at on. it and you're like fuck i can't do anything i'm gonna good. i'm gonna see if he'll answer yeah ask him what the sock puppet thing is because it it was I, I keep saying beans, but it was one of those things where they were always trying to cook beans over a campfire. Because that was like the, the epitome of their life was cooking beans over a campfire because that's how destitute they were. They were hobos playing banjos by a railroad track. But I imagine that there are these moments that you have once you get to the point of being an ECD where you're just like, this fucking sucks. I am just a manager. All I do yeah. is shit that I lit- I got into this business so I wouldn't have to do this shit. You know? It all depends on what size of an organization you're at. It is. It does. Yeah. And and so... Because really, if, if, if you wanted to get really, really technical, I'm an ECD at a place of 15 people creative work all has to go through me but you know what half the creative work is shit that i did so it has to go through me and it has to meet my are you are you kind to yourself no (laughs) because i'm back with the imposter syndrome yeah you know it's like you're still making yeah i'm well i know i'm making but that's the thing it's like it's like both of our topics for tonight it's like yes i am still making but whenever i look at what i make i'm like there is no way that this is even close to being good you know, but it's like, but it has to be due in two hours, so I guess I have to show it. You know, and and the client 
will you know will look at it and 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 love it and hug me and everything but deep inside i know it is just filth it's dirty filth whore filth it's a dirty birdie <laughs> so yes so so, so, there, so there's both sides of that coin you can be an ecd to a 200 person agency and not do anything and well, have to and have to make banjos in your garage Let's talk. Or you can make things every day right. and hate but I everything you do. What Pat's point of view is on this because Pat was ECD at Pat, Berkeley, yeah, which was huge at yep. the time, and yep. ECD on an account that was huge and mm-hmm. full of lots of hoary stuff. <laughs> full of hoary. What are you talking? I'm just gonna. Yeah. No, that other account you worked on. <laughs> full of hoary stuff. Um. So. Uh, I was not happy as ECD. Um, I'm much happier in my place right now. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that I am. Um, well, we don't have to. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, I, don't don't stop him. I want to hear I'm, this. I want to hear. This. I am. I am happiest in inspiring people. I think a great creative director puts everyone above him or herself, puts the work above him or herself, and is measured by the success of their team. And that brings me the most happiness. So to me, there is creativity in, 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 I don't look at, I, I don't look at creativity. I don't limit it to what I produce. I look at it in problem solving and everything that I do. If there's a barrier to getting good work and I can get rid of that barrier, that is creativity. If there is a way to sell somebody on something that they haven't been sold on before, there's creativity in that. If there is a way of creating a document that helps, um, did you just get the shit shit? Yeah, I, I was like, I had to go like, whoa. Um, if there is, if there is, if there is creativity in creating a document that makes a process easier then I am, I, I, and I helped with that then. So, I mean, there's, there's simplicity in that. That said, um, I'm currently frustrated because there is a project that I personally want to work on and I'm finding myself in a unique position where, um, I have a very, very distinct feel on how it should go. And I'm either not communicating it effectively or it is not being executed the way it should be. And it is very hard for me. And I just want to take it and do it because I wrote, I wrote part of it because what I, what I told the writer was, I said, Hey, look, I have something in my head. I need to write. I need to write this. I need you to be okay with it. I'm going to write on it. I don't, I don't make this a habit. I don't feel comfortable in doing it. But you told that to them. Yes. That's huge. But I but I have to I have to do this so I can the stuff that I have in my head about how I think it needs to go, I either have to prove that it's okay or disprove that, you know, that I'm full of shit in right. wanting. But that and that's the only way for you to work that out is right. for you to do it. Right, right. And so I wrote it and I loved and it. And how how did your writer respond? She was great. I mean, she said she said, totally fine with that. Thank you for talking with me about it. Because the hardest thing is when that conversation doesn't happen because your team I hate that. that's underneath you immediately feels like they're, they've failed before they started. Right, right, you right. didn't have enough faith in them to do it. It's just that you had an idea for it. 
you used to be them at one point. Yep. And that never will go away. Yeah. And there, there are so many times where, oh God, I shouldn't say this, but Corrigan has done that before because he is so creative and he has such great ideas, but he'll go and he'll write something or create something or have an idea that's separate from whatever I'm doing. And then I feel like I've failed because of it. But the reality is it, and it took me a long time to realize that that's not what it's, it's, the situation yeah, he's not was. malicious like that. I mean, he's just, he's just, a, but the thing is, is that you have to, you have to be empathetic. You have to, you have to not forget that I was in this position once and how did I, and, and I'll tell you, I've learned more from the shitty creative directors in my life than the good ones, because there have been way more shitty creative directors than good ones. Yes. But it, I have, it tells you what not to do. Yeah. And I have learned Absolutely. that I do not. And, and I don't Cecil forget. and britches, Cecil and britches. Yeah. That was it. Cecil and britches. You're right. Okay. So, so I will say Quinn, you are almost spoiled in a way because you will not know the shitty creative directors there there's a certain amount of growth that i'm sorry to say will be lost on you because because you will not have passed the the test of the really 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 shitty creative directors. but even you know even the good but no i mean i you look at me like that you I have, have you have no no, idea. I d- well explain to me what a bad creative director is because if it's somebody that steals your ideas, okay. lies to how, you. How about this? How about this? How about a creative director who, in on his website for uh, you know creating a page that shows all of the accolades for Addies and things that he's won, has gone and photoshopped your name out of every entry. That's not a shitty creative director. That's just a fucking hack. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a shitty creative director... Somebody who did not... Who, who was so concerned about not giving me any credit on his website went and photoshopped my name out of the scans of the Addy program yeah, that he put on his so website. Yeah, that's so fucked up. That's but, bad. like, when I worked in the card industry... I was dealing with a situation that I didn't know was bad until I left. Like I didn't know just how bad it was. Like, and you usually not, don't know how bad it is because until, at the end of the day, yeah. like your your title is creative director because you're supposed to provide direction. And you know, not to toot my own horn, because everybody that listens to the show knows I fucking hate myself. And I'm first to admit that. But, but love yourself at the same exactly. time. Exactly. But I also know enough junior creatives to be like, God damn, step it the fuck up. Right? Like I right. enough and I've worked with enough to be like, man, if I had me as a junior creative, I'd be like, you're gonna do so much work for me it's gonna be great you know like that would have been my mindset and so like here i am i'm so eager i'm so ready i just want to nail these cards i want to get them right and he can't give me any direction other than it's just not right and i'd i would write 55 cards a week i this was the first conversation that we had and i remember pat going that's horrifying and i was like (laughs) Is it? <laughs> is it? It's not supposed to be like this? So this isn't what it's like. Yeah. 
he was like, tell me what the process is like. I just, I'm, I'm interested. I've not, I know, I don't know what it's like to, you know, write humor for cards. And so I, I tell him what I do and he's like, what? I tell him about how the creative director would make three piles. One was a yes pile, one was a no pile, and one was a maybe pile. And every week I would write at least 50 cards, whether it was birthday or Easter or Mother's Day or whatever. And he would divide them into these piles. And I never once, except for two times, had one go in the yes pile. But at the end of every week, American Greetings would send us a box full of the cards that got printed that were going to be on shelves. And it always came like right in front of my office. And since I opened other packages, I figured, well, I'll open this one. So I would open them and find my cards in them that he would turn in as his. Oh, my God. And that happened for a year. And I was like, oh. And, And like the first three months of this, I was like, okay, are you know may all right so maybe this is how it actually is and maybe i you know like i don't need credit it's not like my name goes on the back of the card it's not like anybody in the world's gonna know but you know i don't know pat on the back that's like hey great job we're definitely gonna print this one would be nice instead of putting it in the no pile storing it away and then sending now it you off. know that the no pile is the cd file. is the is the secret Whatever. yes that guy can suck a dick to top it all off, that guy was total total sexual harasser. So I mean, dick sucking thing aside, but ooh, what's that? Oh, are we, are getting, we getting a, a call? call? Oh no, no! Damn it! Oh, no. God it was, damn it, no. Jeremy! I thought it was sorry, the creative sorry, director. Sorry. Maybe no. it's your creative director. Desperate. He's like, I listened to that. Sorry, that's oh, my, my. That's you know, an alarm. I had the thought in my head, and I was like. If he listens to this, oh my god, it's him! Uh, it's like I Quinn. I do not suck a dick. Tr- trust me, Quinn. At this point, there is nothing that he can do to you. You're nothing. In a, you're in a safe place, except now. stalk you. And you're throw in a safe rocks place now, Quinn. I just, I just licked my microphone, and oh, that was god. not tasty. But what Pat's saying is like definitely that. That is the job of the creative director, and if you're a creative out there and you're listening right now. And you are lucky enough to have a creative director that is like that. Congratulations. And if you're not. It gets better. Yeah. When you get to a job. If you are are lucky, it gets better. But there, you never, there's never a moment in advertising where you're not playing some game. And that is a shitty thing to say. And I really fucking hate it. But there's creativity in that. Oh, there is. God, there is. Don't make it grosser than it no, already no, is. Well, but it's. Eh, it's I got a thing. It, I'll, I'll no, tell you what. By no, playing you're the right. game, it's it it's, sucks. It's fucking it gross. Sucks. It, but it's gross. The reality is, is that by playing the game, I'm not saying play games. I'm saying there are times where you have to be your own creative director, and if you have a bad creative director, you have to either trick yourself or trick them, and. It's going to take time for you to figure out which one is easier to do. And then that's what you have to do just to survive until you can get another job. And, you know, I did both. I did both where I was like, I was tricking myself into thinking that this is okay and this is totally normal and this is just how it is. And then I did the thing where I just tried to trick him into thinking 
that something was really bad so that then he would just focus on other things or, you know, you, you, you figure out sort of this field of bombs that you're trying to navigate and you never know what's going to set one of them off because they're all psychopath, imposter syndrome, narcissists. So it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> you're not going to win no matter what. You, you, your, your best hope is to go out there, do the best work that you possibly can do and know that shit is you have a much higher percentage of, of ending up on an unfair side of things than you do on a fair side with a good creative director that is going to make you better. Should we, should we have PCOR on the show? Uh, we should. I really want to. Let's wrap it up. I'll, I'll email him. We have, uh, we have availabilities in September or August. <sighs> you can't leave yet. I'm going to All right, guys. John Cheezer is a great comedian. He is uh, from this area, uh, moved out to L.A. He's one of those, like, I made it and am, uh, is making it kind of stories. Uh, he's got great comedy, and he is celebrating his album release. Uh, I recently met him, and he invited me to be a part of that show, which is at Mission Theater. At seven thirty tomorrow. All right, I have I have a really hard question to ask you, and this is like a Mary fuck kill thing kind of thing. If I had to choose, because my calendar is so fucking busy, if I had to choose between the John Cheeser, you definitely should come to John Cheeser because I'm there and I'm going to be performing, and you haven't seen me do comedy yet, and I'm going to do like ten minutes. You're not doing a tight five. You're doing a 10? I'm doing like an eight to 10. Decision made right there. Really? You're not doing a tight five? Nope. She's doing a loose 10. 10's hard. Well, he saw me. He saw me do it at the Crossroads Comedy Show two weeks ago and asked me to be a part of the show. I was a late add-on, so I'm not on the poster, which really bums me out, and he acted like he couldn't change the poster, so I was like, uh, okay. What's Mission Theater Comedy? Where's that? Um, in Mission? I think Pat he- hates hearing about this, because he wants to do stand-up so Oh, I know no, he does. I, I know don't. he does. Yes, he does. Okay, two pieces no, it of... takes balls. I two mean, pieces I'm- of follow-up from last episode. A... Yes, Marin is a really good show. Right. Yes. Yes, what? And, and B. Amy Schumer's amazing. I and can't, you're in I, love with her. I can't I even tell you how, how in love with Amy Schumer I am. The format for that show is goddamn brilliant. Wait, what? She, she solved what are you talking about? comedy I, I, formula I, I television. Am, I am so hot for Amy Schumer, it's not even funny. Anyway, okay. Inside Amy Schumer, I'll check it out. Oh, you have to. Yeah. Okay, so next week, starting Sunday, uh, an event apart, who is a fantastic sponsor of the show, I'm going to be at an event apart Boston. And so uh, if you are at an event apart in Boston, come say hi. So Mule Radio Syndicate. There are other shows on the network besides us. If you could, Can you believe it? If you could believe that. 
And I'm going to tell you about one show right now that I think is actually pretty worthy of you listening to. And it's one show called It Might Get Personal. And the host is David McCreeth. He has people interpret songs uh, and, and, and record them live in front of a camera. If you go out there and you look on muleradio.net and you go to It Might Get Personal, you'll see that the last episode was back in December. You'll think, okay, well, that's kind of a dead show. However, It Might Get Personal is in the process of creating new episodes right now, and they will be back within the next month or so with new episodes, new covers, new people interpreting songs the best they can. Yeah, it's going to be On video. It's going to be dope. So, yeah. Do we, uh, do we, do we love them in their face? I love you in your face. Bye. Meh. All right, Jeremy, do that thing where you make it sound like it's over. This has been The Shakes with Jeremy Fuxa, Pat Piper, and Quinn Catherman. Visit CocktailNapkinStudios.com for more information about this show. Drinking up your cocktail.